are In Bed With Books. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm Melissa. And I'm Bethany. If you'd like to find us outside of wherever you're listening from, then you can find us on our website, inbedwithbookspod.com, on Instagram at inbedwithbookspod, and find us on YouTube for video versions of the podcast and bonus episodes. So let's jump right in. So how was your guys' week? Where to begin? I know. Oh, you've had a lot of... <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot going on, Jess. <laughs> It's like, there's a lot going on and also at the same time, nothing going on. I feel like that's always, that's often how I'm feeling in life. Like it seems like there's a lot going on when I tell people about things, they're like, there's a lot of updates in your world, but I'm also just like in my apartment. So is it really a lot? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You like, you think about how many things you've actually done this week and you can really only think about sitting at your table. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know how much I've physically actually done this week that is the story of my life there's not a lot to show for it sometimes and then yeah. you're like did I really do anything if there's no product of mm-hmm. my week or yeah. something the product yeah. of my week is that my back hurts like yeah. does that count yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um then the good old capitalism getting us <laughs> yeah right where she wants us yeah yep, yep. I was what about uh, you, Bethany. I messaged Jess uh, last night. I was like, I'm watching the principles of pleasure and oh my God. Like, so I've nice. just been talking to Milo and stuff about it. Essentially everything I studied in college is that like I read, really? come as, I read come as you are by Emily Nagoski. I just, it changed my life. That book. Um, I love, I just love, loved everything about it. And I learned a lot still too. Like, right. Yeah. It was really good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think it's a good like recap and summary for people who do already know a lot of that stuff, but they still take it further than even mm-hmm. like, I feel pretty well informed at this point in my life about yeah. sex and love and my body and all of that, but there's always more, there's always more to unpack. So yeah. I, I really like it. Yeah. I think it's well done. And I'm also amazed by, um, What's her name? I can picture her. The woman that narrates like every Netflix show ever. Um, oh, so the know. narrator of that show. Oh my gosh. I need to, I can picture her. She's a comedian, Michelle Buteau. Um, she's an awesome comedian. So she has like stand up specials on Netflix, but then she also narrates so many of their shows. So she was the narrator in principles of pleasure. See, she's the narrator of the circle, which is one of my favorite Netflix reality shows. Um, <laughs> I think she also narrated Too Hot to Handle. She's just like the voice of Netflix. And I think it's really cool. I would Imagine love to have that job. the power that comes along with that. I mean, yeah. she sets the tone for so exactly. much of their content. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's a great choice, I think. I, I mean, yeah. that's like a career win. She just has to show up to a studio and like read some scripting yeah. in her voice. Yeah. I would love yeah. to do that as someone who has gotten compliments on my voice. I'm like, that, let me be set. Can I do that for Hulu? Like, do they need yeah, me? Yes. yes. <laughs> Plus, I mean, not to, not to stoke any kind of fire or anything, but I think Hulu shows have been a lot better in the last, like mm-hmm. maybe six stoke, months. Stoke the fire. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's true. Like I, not that I'm super big in finances or stocks or anything like that, but I have seen that I mean, Netflix lost like 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter and they're intent, like they're, they're kind of 
anticipating losing probably another 2 million more subscribers, which is insane to think about. Like Netflix revolutionized TV mm-hmm. and now they're falling and Hulu is kind of taking up the gauntlet. I feel like my it's opinion. Hulu. I definitely think like my favorite shows that I've watched in 2022 have been on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I also think HBO has yes. always had a leg up with just the fact yeah. that their content can be more like real and gritty and yeah. like show sex show, like have cursing, yeah. all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, a little bit more than Netflix delves into that stuff. I think yeah. it's, it's funny because Netflix doesn't have anything stopping it, but because they don't have the reputation, they don't go quite as hard. Yeah. 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 I think because HBO had that reputation from, being a network that you had to like a television network that you had to subscribe and pay separately before because of that Mm -hmm. they like lean into it way more yeah for sure and it works yeah yeah um I have picked up cross stitching that was how my week has gone yes yes um I actually really enjoy it can you please remind me what cross stitching is yeah it's just like (laughs) if, if you've ever seen like in an older movie, the old woman will always have like, it's that circle thing with the cloth pulled really taut yes. over it. And they're like going, that's what I thought you meant. Yep. Yep. I pretty much the last couple of nights, all I've done is that with parks and rec in front of me and like music in my ears. So parks and rec is muted because I've seen it probably about 10 times by this point. So I don't mm-hmm. even need the audio. I just know what is happening it's just on in the room it's, it's just there it's, it's just another <laughs> sensory your friends yeah. are there exactly silently exactly. with you yeah yep, yep. and then me I'm, you... well I haven't oh, really made anything yet yeah go I ahead. um I'm just trying to practice so that I can like get it down so it's a lot of like lines of like little x's and then me trying to make random shapes out of them that's fun yeah it has been fun and I haven't bled yet I've poked myself, but I have not blood. Yeah. I have a couple. Oh, wait. Okay. First of all, you just said poking, which I know. is so funny. <laughs> it I, happens. Obviously, we knew what you meant. And like, I would have yeah. said the exact same thing. So I'm not calling you out on your own podcast to make fun of you. I just think that the literally the sound of the word poking is really funny to me. So I wanted to just take a yeah. moment and laugh this together. This is yeah. a curse of having read so much 18th century like content. <laughs> So many of the words and their things. Uh-oh. Oh, hold on. We've got an alarm going off. Oh no. Yeah, that didn't I'm sound so good. About poking. I know that was Wait. a new word. <laughs> I love it. I've never heard it. I love it. Um, I, I I'm going to tell you this, but I, Melissa would also find it interesting. She can see it in the recording. Um, <laughs> the. With the cross stitching, I have a friend who does that, and she made me one that says, um, "What's it say?" Now you're back for this, Melissa, so it's good. We're safe. Good. Somebody was already the out home there. Home isn't under attack. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, I was just mentioning that, like with the cross stitching hobby, I have a friend who makes a lot of those, mm-hmm. and she gave me one that says, "I am Beyonce always," which is yes. like a classic Michael Scott quote. Yes. Um. And I have it in my bathroom. It's like right where I get ready every morning, the little cross nice. stitch hanging. Nice. A little affirmation so that's a great, for the mornings. Yeah. It's yeah. a cute. I like that. I like that hobby. Yeah. Same. I'm, I'm pretty fond of it already. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. 
seems relaxing. I was um, confused because I thought, um, so cross stitching is you use crosses, but but it is embroidering. It's kind of, it's a style of embroidery, but yeah. 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 That's what I was, because I was like, I've done embroidery, but I think cross stitch is like a type of embroidering. So yeah, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't know what the difference was exactly yet. (laughs) I'm just wrapping my brain around it now, but I'm happy to learn. (laughs) It's more than I can do. I'm not a very, I'm really just not a very patient person is what it comes down to. So I don't do a lot of, we've talked about this. Like I don't do a lot of hobbies where I'm sitting still. My hobbies are like being on a stage and performing stuff like karaoke. Can karaoke be a hobby? Yeah. Or like going for a walk. Like I need to be moving. So I'm envious of people who have hobbies that keep them sitting still. I I, I would like to get better at that. I just have to do something with my hands a lot of the time for me to be able to actually focus on something. Hmm. And so it's less focusing on the cross stitching and more being able to like focus on either what I'm listening to or what I'm reading or what I'm watching. So I actually get that. Just neurodivergent things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Okay. So what are we talking about today, Melissa? We are talking about Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, a classic, a classic favorite of mine. And we have a guest today. We have a guest today. Um, Jess from Peking Podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. We're very excited to have you. Have you guys had a guest before? I wasn't sure. Yeah, we've had, had my roommate Taylin. <laughs> yeah, times. you told she, me about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we love that. Yeah. Well, so you're the first person that hear. doesn't live with one of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even live in the same city as either of you. So yeah, yeah. This yeah, is a, we're all over the state right together. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're taking over very quickly. Yes. Yeah. It'd be a lot faster, but. I don't like to do anything but sit and cross stitch. So. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I found, but Jess, I found you um, through a YouTuber who was like, oh, I'm going to be on this podcast. And I was like, cool. And so I listened to the podcast and I then binged the podcast because I just loved the concept, which is, um, would you mind kind of like going over what, the premise of your podcast is and like what, what you're all about. Sure. Sure. Thank you. I was almost, I was like excited to hear you do the, Oh gosh, (laughs) the pitch, the peaking pitch. Um, but I can take it. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I was really excited when you reached out to me after you found me and I'm always very touched that people seem to find my podcast bingeable. Um, cause I don't really know like how that Mm -hmm. works, but I think it's just because it's, it's conversational and, I think you can just like plug it in and listen while you're doing something else and feel like you're talking to a friend. So that's a lot of what I try to achieve. But Peking is basically about low moments in life that are opportunities to grow. So um, really the idea that like when you're peaking, a lot of people think of peaking as a concept as like when you have everything going for you, you know, like you have the perfect job and the perfect apartment and the perfect boyfriend and this, that, the other, that's when somebody might call you peaking but I actually feel like you're peaking when you're in your lowest moments, because that's when you're growing, you're learning about yourself. You're like having to dig yourself out and get to that next high point. So, um, I started to kind of notice that pattern when I was talking to friends and going through stuff in my own life. And 
decided to make it a podcast. Um, so it's fun. I have guests sometimes, sometimes it's just me gets very rambly, which I know you guys understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. Just thoughts, <laughs> just thoughts, very stream of conscious, but it's like my audio diary, you know, like mm-hmm. it's actually a nice way to kind of encapsulate how I'm feeling in certain periods of life in a certain month or, or whatever. So yeah, you can yeah. find it peaking. If you search that anywhere, podcast apps, you'll find it. And at peaking podcast is the Instagram. And I like DMing with people. So find me. Nice. Yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah. Oh, there was something I was going to say. Um, we, Melissa and I were just on, we just recorded her podcast for her podcast. Yeah. For we were on peaking. Yes. We're going to be on peaking. (laughs) I thought you meant Melissa's podcast. And I was like, you have another podcast. No, (laughs) I don't have the energy. (laughs) Um, Um, no, we were just, we were on your podcast as well. Yes. I'm editing that as we speak and it'll come out this week. So it was great. Yeah. We got to talk about our peaking moments in London and stuff and kind of how like the podcast came out of that. So it was, it was really fun to record. Yeah. But I will say this. Have you, Oh, go ahead. Is I thought when I was done, I messaged, remember when we talked about our like top dads that we, we listed our dads and I want to mention Keanu because yes, I failed, (laughs) I failed him. (laughs) <laughs> gravely and wow. I was like so I just want that to be on the record that Keanu is also one of my top dads Keanu Reeves there's like not a toxic bone in that man's body <laughs> speed oh my god that was like my first like actual crotch headache <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I will put I haven't recorded like the intro of the episode yet so I'll make sure to kind of like give Keanu a little shout in there. He's not really my cup of tea. Um, Mm. I don't have anything against him. Very interesting, creative, cool guy. Just not my, not my cup of tea, but we agreed on some others. I like that you're calling them dads. That's fun. Yeah. It's like this mix of, it's this, this mix of, I think, respect. (laughs) um yeah at the same time yeah this reverence to equal out the uh the sexual nature of the the (laughs) opinions you know make it a little less icky I guess yeah the best I mean sex has to start with mutual respect I would yes I would Mm -hmm. say so I think that that's that's right on the money that's very healthy thank you Thank you. <laughs> Should they ever listen to the episode? I mean, <laughs> you know, they might find me through a YouTuber and binge my podcast yeah, and, then find, yeah. us. and yeah. then find you. And then the rest it is history. Happen. We have mm-hmm. our dads. Yeah. I don't like calling them dads because I had to work on, <laughs> I had to work on like stopping calling my dad, daddy. Like, you know how you're a little kid and you Same, call your dad, daddy. Yeah. And then as you get yeah. older, you realize that that's like gross apparently so you have to stop calling them (laughs) not cool anymore yeah like one day it comes out of your mouth and you're a little like "Mm, i don't know how i felt about that one (laughs) that didn't land everyone here feels that that didn't land yeah so you work on just calling him dad so now i really can't refer to these men as my dads because i've solidified my dad as my dad that's fair that's fair (laughs) so they're so they're daddies then to me yeah yeah 
speak your truth, but yeah, for me, they're you. daddies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like Idris Elba and my dad are on like very different, like oh, live gosh, in very yeah. different parts of my brain, you yeah. know, and I want to keep <laughs> yeah. it that way. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting warm. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, you know, just thinking about Keanu a little bit, um, a little bit of Idris in there. Mm. Ooh, okay. So back to the book. Yeah, Yeah. back to the book. I was going to say, speaking of daddies, I think Mm -hmm. that is actually one of Janie's problems, and not a problem that she creates for herself, but a problem that she kind of gets thrown into. Mm -hmm. I think this is actually a pretty great transition. You (laughs) unfortunately that real nice. Yeah, Yeah. thank you, thank you. Um, so their eyes are watching God is the story of Janie, who is kind of recalling her life to her friend and she's kind of explaining how she has arrived at this point suddenly widowed and alone even though she's got money because she worked and she was good um but it really there's something so universally comforting about this tale because Mm -hmm. of the way that she expresses this kind of um lack of I guess lack of control over her own life and the way she copes with that throughout her life and one of the ways that she ends up coping with that is by marrying these daddies these different like that's I mean nowadays that's what we'd call them mm-hmm. her first husband whose honestly name I can't remember because he was an asshole and I hated him oh yeah her first husband is significantly older than her in fact mm-hmm. her grandma arranged <clears throat> the marriage because she understood what Janie needed to like survive in their world. Mm. And so he's got good land. He makes decent money, but he's also so much older that basically teenage Janie doesn't know how to love him, which understandable. She's a child. She doesn't know how to love anybody. And then on top of that, she's like, this guy, I'm not into this guy. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. she doesn't know what love is. Right. Yeah. And she wants to. Yeah. But like, that's not, that, that's not the guy that's going to get her there. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then wanting to, doesn't make it happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that actually, that statement hits hard. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> I do that occasionally. <laughs> that really, that speaks volumes. Those few words. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What were you guys? So as the person who suggested this book for the season and who was already a fan of this book, what did you guys think? I'll go first. Um, I thought it was incredibly heartbreaking and heartwarming. I felt like, um, you know, Janie's like stream of consciousness was very, it's something I could really connect with. Um, I especially like the, it really felt, you know, those books that are kind of memoir style and you're like, you don't really know if there's going to be a good outcome. Like (laughs) it kind of felt like that at first. And I was like, Oh, is this just going to be like a sad book? Because it kind of had that realistic like feel to it. Like the, you know, when she meets, I think it was Joe, not Jody, um, Jody, let's see. 
it was the second man, yeah, Jody, Jody. Um, you know, and then that starts to kind of go, you're like, Oh, like this could be good. And then it kind of starts to go sour and South. And then you're like, Oh no, she's not like, is she ever going to find it? And then, and then even when tea cake comes, you're like, I don't know. Like, I don't trust anyone mm-hmm. anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you just feel you, that with her. Yeah. Just cause yeah. Cause she's so, yeah, you feel it with her. That's a good point is like, it could have gone either way. Um, and it ended up going well for her, which was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it was kind of the like ebbs and flows of her story. Like the ups and downs were really relatable. And I feel like there were almost three chapters with the three different daddies, you know, of her life and her story. And, um, each one like taught her something new that then like built towards the next one. So I, as someone who's very obsessed with like change and growth and like self-discovery, like really connected with that trajectory for Janie and like the different chapters of her personal growth as seen through these relationships and yeah. So I, I, I really liked like that overarching progression and theme that really came out to me. Um, I found it hard to read, yeah. but I am that way. Like the audiobook helped me a lot yeah. because of how it's written. But I also like that it's written in that very like colloquial, like the phonetic like, spelling, phonetic spelling from that really puts you in the time period and in that community of people. Like Mm -hmm. I understand the value in it, but it just made it harder for me as a reader in this Mm -hmm. day and age when I do everything on TikTok. So no, that's fair. All that being said, yeah, that's fair. I thought thought the themes really, I did really connect with the themes. And like, once I kind of finished it, I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. like what a, (laughs) what a journey. It ends with like the tragedy, but it's still somehow hopeful. Mm-hmm. It's it's oddly comforting there at the end. And I've, I've thought about that a lot because so I read this for class the first time that I read it. And I, I do want to say that that's something that we discussed is like, how did you feel at the end of the book? And why do you think that is? Because not everybody felt hopeful at the end, which is fair. It's not, not exactly like, it is a tragic ending. Tea cake dies. Mm-hmm. And you, like he was the the we can say like the love of her life. But I think because you go with her for that whole journey, that whole like trajectory, like you were saying, you know, she's going to be okay. Yeah, I agree. I think you were with her in her story long before tea cake. So like Mm -hmm. you weren't like, yes, you were happy for Janie when she finally found that, but also when it, ended the tragic way that it did like you were like okay but Janie's still here and she's still okay mm-hmm, and she kind yeah. of came to terms with it and found peace with it at the end as well and like that's ultimately who I was rooting for the whole time and who's yeah. who I really kind of like cared about seeing through so mm-hmm. I agree like I think hopeful is a fair word hopeful doesn't mean like happy and positive necessarily yeah. it just means like I don't know. Like there's, there's a future a reason. Yeah. And like, there's, there's a reason for mm-hmm. everything. There's a future beyond this. Like mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. Especially like as great as tea cake was so much of her life had revolved around going from man to man to man. Yeah. And even before that, it was with her grandmother. So her grandmother raised her and I do kind of, if, I mean, I guess we can do that now. Yeah. I want to kind of talk about her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see why her grandmother did what she did. Like there's, it's so, it would be so easy to resent her grandmother for doing those things. But you know, at the end of the day that she was just trying to protect her. When you live in those systems, you think you're protecting the person that you're doing this to. There wasn't like there wasn't any intention of harm with her grandmother. What does she call her grandmother? Nanny. 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 Right. Thank you. So like Nanny was one, she realized she was old. She knew that she, like Janie was 100 percent gonna outlive her. And there wasn't anyone else around to take care of her. And so she had to, to the best of her abilities, like find somebody to take care of her. And that was like, it was heartbreaking because there's nothing that she could do otherwise in her own mind, in in Nanny's mind, you know? Mm Yeah. I thought I, I thought I had a thought, but I I would just add, I would add to that. I, I agree. Um, I think it was clear that she was doing what she thought was best to protect her granddaughter. And like her whole life had been about protecting her granddaughter after what had happened to Janie's mom and to the grandmother herself. So like, you also have to keep in mind, like the history, the family history and like the Mm -hmm. things that they'd been through. And like, that's also informing how the grandmother's now going about like making sure that her granddaughter's okay. Like just with the tools that she had and the knowledge of the world that she had, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all she could do. Mm-hmm. So I, I am on the same page as you. Yeah. Like generational trauma. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She did the best she could to try to break that. Mm-hmm. You understand why she was so fierce about it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a moment when she like slaps Janie and was like violently and was like, listen, yeah. you know, I'm just try, trying, trying to get it concerned. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Cause like, as far as she's concerned, the other option is like you said, what happened to her and what happened to her daughter, Janie's mother, like there's, there's not exactly a third option, which mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't Janie lucked out because she found a way to make money for herself and then did it. Yeah. So, yeah, unsung anti-hero of the book. Yeah. Do you think that she's unsung? I think so, because even Janie at some point says, like, how much she hates her. We don't find out mm-hmm. when she dies because this the this the book is kind of told in this loosely oral kind of like she's telling that she's recounting this story dialogue yeah 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 to her friend and the um so everything that happens even the the really insignificant things we learn because they're important to Janie we don't find out when her grandma dies until much later yeah that's a good point yeah I I do think it was like a concerted point on Hurston's part to by like omission show how important 
Nanny was to Janie without Janie quite realizing, Mm. you know? Yeah. I I really felt that too, that after right becoming a woman and hearing the story and even there's that scene when she is with her first husband and she's asking like, how do I love him? Like, I just can't. And they, you know, she has a conversation with Nanny and a friend and, um, but it seemed like I, I kind of felt that there was a distance that Janie was creating with Nanny, but not more like a physical distance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there just kind of felt like something. And then when you find out she's, she died, you kind of still realize how much is in like within like Janie's life and her consciousness, like Nanny does live, yeah. but it's definitely not, she's not going to her for help really, or mm-hmm. very much yeah. after that uh, first time. But I mean, it's fair also. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of a, yeah. Bit of a catch 22 there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second husband though, Jody. Yes. He was, <laughs> That, and it's just funny too reading this when you're like he just comes in on like a horse or something yeah. or like a carriage and just like takes her away like he just appeared yeah she like spoke him into existence which tea cake also kind of did yeah yeah which yeah, people like, say all the time that they like spoke their perfect yeah. man not that jody was perfect but like at that time he seemed like he could be and like he saved her from her situation, you know? Yeah. I mean, he did what she wanted, yeah. what she was seeking, but he yeah. just wasn't the person that she needed. So yeah, I mean, she, I, I, I think it still applies. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Just like nowadays, nowadays you would be like, don't do that. Yeah. Like you've only yeah. known him one day, one hour, <laughs> like kind of like the whole like frozen thing where they're like, you've only known him for like a day, for three days. Yeah. yeah. For three days. And you're already getting married, but uh, of course it's a different time. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's kind of just for the story. I think that's kind of how desperate she was. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he was interesting because I thought, I thought this was going to like work out really well. And what's interesting is that I like that before he gets violent with her or get like, gets like super gaslighty and stuff there, you kind of see his strengths and think this could really work. He's building a community. He's very like Mm -hmm. fair and like, she can be part of this community and like, you know, she has like a house and like a store to run. But what, what I love about it is that that's just not what Janie wanted. Mm. And that's okay. (laughs) Like, you know, she doesn't have to become it, you know, if that's not what is in her. And so the store really bothered her. She didn't like seeing this, seeing to the store. It just wasn't what Janie wanted to do. And I think that it's fair that she didn't want to do that. And so I kind of liked that, you know, before, yeah, before he started getting like really um, terrible it wasn't necessarily, even if he was a good person, I I shouldn't say that. I guess if he was a little better, it still wouldn't have been enough for her. Yeah. Unless he were to recognize that this is not what she wants and like take care of that, you know, Mm -hmm. but it didn't sound like Jody wanted to do that at all. So yeah. Yeah. Like in other words, 
if he had not become so like toxic and abusive and yeah, like aside from all that, he still wouldn't have been right for her because just like the life that he gave her and that he wanted for his wife was never going to be the life that she wanted for herself. Yeah. Which kind of raises an interesting question of like, do you think that she would have, I think yes, probably, but do you think that she would have left the situation had it not gone so Mm. dark or do you think that that kind of had to happen to drive her away, even though yeah. either way, she like knew that it wasn't it, it wasn't quite it for her. But I'm just, I'm thinking in terms of like, you know, the writer's decision to create that relationship in that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical. I, That's a good point. Like what's her, like what's her li- limit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That is, that's like, that is an interesting question. I, I would have to say that I think I think she would have left eventually. Let's say things didn't get toxic and he didn't die when he did, but tea cake still showed up. Mm. I think maybe things would have played out a lot longer, but I think eventually she would have realized that she could be happier somewhere else. She didn't owe Jody anything just for saving her when she was like 17, 16, 17. Um, yeah, I could kind of see like if, if if she had been in that position like a long enough time that it just like really mm-hmm. got to a point I think she might have. Um, so well, it's hard also, to, it is hard to say, I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what happened the first time around is life wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. Like, yeah, the, the first husband wasn't mean. He was a little rude. He definitely like things were starting to get rough. But before that even happened, like somebody rolls up on a horse, on a, like on a horse and carriage, and she left. And it so, was enough. Yeah. It was enough. And to it, take yeah, her. it was yeah. enough. It was enough for her. To, she, I think that's what I love about Janie's character is she's so easy to say no. She knows where her boundaries mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And I think that's one of the like things that really ends up frustrating her is when she knows where a boundary is, but it doesn't matter because she's a woman in this world a black woman in this world so yeah, yeah it it's very much a f- um and i of course i read this somewhere right it's like a very fe- very early feminist like novel yeah. um mm-hmm. and and part of the reason is is it's not a it's not a story of a a victim survivor situation necessarily um it's it's kind of in the middle ground of like feminism, which is just, I just want to enjoy my life. I want to have choice. I want to be allowed not to want to do something. Um, and I think that's, what's really important about this and what partly why I like really responded to Janie and was able to like follow her very well was because this is something every woman like goes through, you know, whether you've had, whether you've had three marriages or not, you've always had these moments where you're like, but I don't want to do this. And do I have a choice? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would also like to note that this, this was published in 1937. Mm -hmm. So it's not like this was in the last 20 years. And like this conversation is already around. This was pre the term feminism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very, it's a very nuanced kind of 
story to be telling in 1937 and it's about black a black woman in the south like double whammy in terms of how how ahead of her time Hurston was being at that moment mm-hmm. yeah I think that's something that struck me a lot just throughout reading the book and knowing that it was such an old book and like you know mm-hmm. been around forever it's a classic as you guys have referenced it like I was like, I relate to this story. Like Mm. one of you earlier in our conversation mentioned um, or like alluded to kind of Janie's almost like trust issues. Like I've been hurt before. So can I really like be like good with this person this time and, and kind of like asking those questions, especially by the time it got to tea cake and I was just like, damn, like, that's what I go through now. Mm -hmm. So it's just like tale as old as time and something that I guess kind of in a cool way, in a sad way, but a cool way unites women across like time periods, across race, across, you know, other background and things that have happened to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I, I definitely struck me like, wow, this book is from 1937, but it still rings true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whew. There is one scene. I, w- I mean, obviously there's a lot of scenes we would love to talk about. There's one scene in particular that I want to talk about. And it's from early in the book. It's when Janie kind of discovers her womanhood. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most beautifully written scenes about this kind of moment. Because one, it doesn't really demonize or kind of like make it mysterious or dark or anything Mm -hmm. her the moment when she realizes this or when she starts to have that like puberty hits basically she's sitting near a peach tree and you can see how comfortable she is with it it's this just kind of natural progression and she's so she like embraces this and then immediately her grandmother turns it into something dark and something it's not because of like those fears we were talking about, those generational fears. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a beautiful scene. So I want to, I want to discuss that next. Yeah. 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 I re- bookmark, don't you, Bethany? Oh, do I? Okay. Yeah, I do. Okay. I was like, oh, it's the tree. But then I was like, I couldn't find the tree. Do you want me to read it a little bit or? Yeah, if there's a good line out of it. Okay. After a while, she got up from where, uh, let me see. It's a pear tree. Oh, a pear tree. My bad. My bad. Yes. I think a peach, like maybe that's just me inserting a little bit of like 2020s into it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, oh, it's the South. Like, yeah. (laughs) You're like, it's maybe they have peach, more peaches there. I don't know. Um, uh, she was lying across the bed asleep. So Janie tipped on out of the front door. Oh, to be a pear tree, any tree in bloom with kissing bees singing of the beginning of the world. She was 16. She had glossy leaves and bursting buds and she wanted to struggle with life, but it seemed to elude her. Where were the singing bees for her? Nothing on the place nor in grandma's house answered her. She searched as much of the world as she could from the top of the front steps, then went on down to the front gate and leaned over to gaze up down the road. 
looking, waiting, breathing, short with impatience, waiting for the world to be made. Um, I think, well, yeah, it's just that, that line there where she talks about like waiting for the world to be made. Mm-hmm. That, I have that really, and okay, so when I read this the first time I was in college, I want to say I was like a sophomore, a junior. So, I mean, still, I, I'm still a kid, partially an adult, that kind of transition. Not yet a girl, not a woman. What's but, not a girl, not yet a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. And something about that line really, really encapsulates how it feels to f- feel the other side of puberty. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, what can come from this, that kind of beauty before the world turns it really gross. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Cause a couple pages later, cause she in between that scene and then what I'm reading now, she like kisses the guy and then her grandma's like, you, we got to marry you now. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're um, a woman now. This, this state, uh, it says the vision of Logan Killix was desecrating the pear tree, <laughs> but Janie didn't know how to tell Nanny that she merely, she merely hunched over and pouted at the floor. But yeah, it's like the pear tree is now just like, yeah. Not not only not necessarily from the kiss, but from what her grandma said about the kiss has now mm-hmm. changed what the tree means meant in that moment of this new like sense of womanhood um, because she wants to become or they they talk about I think it's her grandmother and her a friend a family friend saying like you're you're a woman now like and Janie's like no no I don't want to be a woman. She's like, we, you're a woman, you, you need to be married. And so that tree then (laughs) I feel like she says Logan, but I feel like more of it was the, was what they made of it. Like this new chapter of her life now just needs to be about like finding, or maybe it's just her resistance of that because she's in that in between and she's kind of resisting. Like, maybe I still, like, I still feel like a child. Yeah. But I'm discovering this new part of myself. And so I don't quite yet want to go into the deep end of like marriage. Yeah. As fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like she spends the whole book just trying to get back to that pre pear tree moment when the pear tree is still alive. Yeah. Well, almost trying to get back to the moment that was robbed of her of like yeah. still being able to be enjoying the pear tree and like exploring it and figuring out like, like understanding this new part of herself instead of, okay, day one, you have had this experience and now you're a woman and you have to get married. Like she was robbed of that progression, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like for the rest of the book, she's craving, she's like wanting to like get back to that in between time that she never really got to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was something I else I was going to say about the pear tree. Go ahead. I'll remember. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, if it comes back to you, let, definitely let us know. I was just going to say that like the very beginning of the book starts actually with her coming back to the town that she ends up living with, living in with Jody, and then eventually tea cake for a little while. And I hadn't really thought about this until like just now, but all of the ladies are like on the porch talking, talking shit. They're trying to like, why is she back? Look at what she's wearing. Where's tea cake? Like all of this shit. They're starting like to, to gossip and everything. And I love a good gossip. I'm not shitting on them for the gossip, 
But you can really see how far Janie has come from that pear tree moment because she does not care. Her friend catches back up with her. She comes to help her get some food and kind of mentions that they're talking shit. And she's like, oh, don't pay any mind to them. That doesn't matter anymore. Like that's, I, I really don't give a shit what they think. And you can, like, that's, that's the full circle that you needed. That shit like Janie needed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like, she's gone off and lived life. There was a quote. There's a quote that I was trying to find and I can't, I can't remember it, but it was about, um, like needing to go and experience change. Basically it was like, you need Mm. to go out and do the thing that's going to like teach you. I w- I'm going to try to find it, but I just feel like that moment, her retelling her story and just being in such a different place now than at the beginning is because she like left and she followed what she felt she needed to do at these different like junctures in her life, whether or not mm-hmm. it made sense or it made sense to anyone else or Like, I don't know. She just like went where her gut told her kind of. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, she's at this place of like, I like this full circle moment of like, yeah, I'm a woman now. Like, Mm -hmm. because I, I trusted myself kind of. And I, I went through all those things, good and bad. Um, And I kind of love that. Like she learns to trust herself where she's trying to find trust in other people. And that's when she becomes this individual person not just a partner yeah that's it it almost feels like her it her reward is is all of these great things that have happened to her because she followed that mm-hmm. gut yeah because she said no to things and she wanted more mm-hmm. and i think like that wanting more is so integral to her character mm-hmm. and this that's also like that kind of unifying across times kind of element of being a woman you can like cross stitch and watch parks and rec every night but still like i still like want more generally from life like i think that's when you when you look at kind of varying schools of thought around feminism and regardless of whichever ones you agree with they all come down to the very basic point, which is that we want more out of life. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking for this quote. So I'm yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> it's going to bother me if I don't find it. You're good. We, we've all been there. Oh yeah. Um, I'll take a moment to, while you're looking to talk about the beautiful language. I know we already okay. spoke a little bit about it, but I, there are so many quotable moments in this book so much poetry, so much like beautiful prose and phrasing. Um, I, cause we always post like quotes on our Instagram and I was like, I can't decide. (laughs) (laughs) They're all so good. Um, the moment when Jody hits her actually, there was a line she says, Jody stood where he left her for unmeasured time and thought. She stood there until something fell off the shelf inside of her. Just this very, very simple image yeah. and feeling. Um, 
ascribed to this very like tumultuous thing that happened to her um i feel like really plain kind of prose mm. also can't really capture the before and after of a moment like this because as far as we know this is the first time that jody has hit her right yeah yeah um and it's in front of other people which is an added uh yeah. level of of violence there because it's not not that in private or in public is any better or any worse but that you kind of add this extra layer of of publicity to the event yeah mm-hmm. and using the poetry throughout in these very like this these darker moments where you've got the violence of like Jody abusing her or also the beauty of her discovering her her body for the first time mm-hmm. it really just captures the depth of those moments when you really feel it in your gut kind of thing yeah and and totally. that's probably that's probably a good example of like her gut having mm-hmm. a say in what's actually going on. That's yeah. Did you find the quote? No, oh, okay. I don't. And I don't want to like waste time looking for it and not be engaged no, in no, the convo. Fair, so fair. I'll send it to you afterwards if I do find it. And okay, perfect. perfect. If you want to use it for your, <laughs> for your social media posts, then sure, I thought it was sure. a good one, but I cannot find it. I do like the quote. I mean, there's another one that I think is like one of the most quoted from this book, probably just in reading different things about it. But um, the quote about love is like the sea Mm -hmm. and it like so beautifully encapsulates how like love looks different for everyone and in every different relationship, it looks different. So it's um, love is like the sea. It's a moving thing, but still in all, it takes its shape from the shore it meets and it's different with every shore. So like every shore that the water hits Mm -hmm. is a different type of movement and a different experience. And that's like the experience of love being different with every partner and at every phase of your life. Um, I really like that one. And I felt like movement, the other quote I'm looking for is around movement. So that's why I came across Mm. this because it has the word move in it. Um, I feel like that was something that I picked up on quite a bit. And I really liked that word choice and that like theme running throughout the book. Yeah. 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 Like that. It's not static. Like love isn't the static destination. It's, it's a journey. Yeah. You can see her thinking that as a kid too. She thinks that like one day if she makes the right decision, suddenly she'll feel love for her first husband. Yeah. yeah. And as, as condescending as it felt when her grandma laughed at her that day, when she's like, how do I love him? It was also just like a grown woman laughing at a child who very clearly does not understand what love is. Yeah. And I would argue that that actually lasts a lot longer than she might imply in the book. Yeah. Like in her retelling of her life, it probably does not even occur to her until far into her wedding or her marriage with Jody. The like what love is? Is that yeah. what you mean? Once yeah. I, I would say like probably when she realizes that she definitely doesn't have it with him is when she starts to see what it really is. Yeah. yeah. It's like you can't know what it is until you know what it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So then the next, I guess the next man, next daddy. Yes. <laughs> tea cake. Tea cake. And who he's I was, go ahead. Well, no, go, 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 go ahead. 
I was going to say like who I like didn't trust yet. <laughs> like I was yeah. just like, he came in and I was just kind of like, I don't know, like her track record isn't great. Yes. You know, like, yeah, I'm he's just young. like worry. Yeah. He's young. He's, uh, and, th- and this is kind of where like a lot of our modern day, uh, etiquette and things have changed in terms of like what is appropriate, right? Like he he's he kind of stalks her. No, I wouldn't say stalk, but he just kind of comes back and he you don't know what kind of dude he is. Like yeah. He, you know, I was just like, I don't know, like, so it's just really up in the air. You're just like, I don't know. Like he could be he could be like her knight in shining armor, but he could also like be a very bad man. Like there's just yeah, no well- way to know. There was the other woman from the town who had a similar situation. When they first leave, she kind of recounts this other woman who married a younger man briefly. They left town. He stole all of her money. And then she gets like, she gets a free train ride because the guy pities her, the the conductor pities her. And then shows up back at town like a few months later and is just ragged. And I, so I didn't remember if tea cake was that great or not. So I fully felt your, your stress. Yeah. But when they first leave and he runs away for a night, basically, and uh-huh. she freaks out, I was in a panic. I, I same. Yeah. I was yeah, too. She's, she's also thinking like, this is one of those very human, like these very relatable situations where she's thinking about like, actually, um, I know a girl who this kind of happened to and it ended terribly yeah. and that's going to be me. And I'm going to show up ragged back to my town in three months. And then, cause the very beginning of the, the book starts with her just walking back into town. And so I was like, Oh yeah. God, Oh God, it's happening now. Yeah. It's happening right now. It was so stressful. Yeah. Cause you don't have a lot of experience with tea cake before they're like, yeah. And even she doesn't trust him Yeah, because she brings that money and then, and then finds it gone and she's freaking out, which I will say he, I think was like, not a good, not a cool thing to do. Agreed. Agreed. But he may, but he apologizes and makes up for it. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's a and little complicated like, that way. Yeah, I feel like. which like I you kind of go liked. back and yeah. forth. Yeah, who doesn't love a bad boy though? Like, right. yeah, <laughs> it's true. And I don't think she could be with someone who didn't have that like keeping mm-hmm. her guessing element mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because it seems like she really doesn't like the predictable life. Right. Yeah. She's tried that twice now. Yeah. Cause yeah. I guess both, both of her previous husbands were very much like stable. Like this is the life that we're living yeah. in mm-hmm. together. And tea cake was the antithesis of that. Yeah. One thing that I really liked about their relationship versus Jody and her, like Bethany earlier, you mentioned that she really didn't like the, sh- the, um, the store and she didn't. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get this idea for a minute that she just doesn't like work. But that's entirely not the case because she goes out into the fields and she works with tea cake. Mm-hmm. She enjoys working on with her hands and working outside with him. And so it, pretty immediately, like, it's not like she has some kind of change of heart or anything like that. She's just, he asks her like, would you even want to? And she's like, yeah, I do want to, I want to be out there with you. And so she does it and you're like, oh, so it wasn't just that she doesn't like to work and that she hated Jody so much that she hated the store. It was she didn't like their life and Jody wasn't yeah. willing to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah and i kind of like that he that was kind of the reason why he took off because he wasn't sure that she would like hanging yeah. around with like the people that he was and she was like no i do and so mm-hmm. he was like okay and then they like go off and gamble <laughs> yeah yeah get all the money back so and i do think it needs to be noted as well that Janie is mixed yeah, yes so there is like this lighter element of yeah there's this element of colorism going on as well um she, she has like the long hair yep she's like mm-hmm. it's not coiled and and big like some of the other girls that she knows um she mentions one of the women in town when she's still with jody who is darker and she seems to also gossip very crudely about the other women in town who are darker like she is and Janie even says she's like I don't get why she does it it's like she can't see that she's black as well like she's as black as she is but she sees how light my skin is and she's very clearly she like I think it was Jody might have said something or somebody said something to Janie about how she's not your friend she's basically worshiping you she wants to be close to you because of how light you are yeah and I think tea cake comes in with a lot of those those kind of misconceptions about her because of her skin tone as well right yeah that's super interesting even from the beginning when she first like literally first chapter or two um when she sees the picture of her like class in school Mm -hmm. with her grandma and um that's like the first time she realizes that she's like a black girl but also Mm -hmm. realizes that she's like lighter skin like I don't know. She's like first comprehending her race, I guess, and how that compares to other people and also like what their perceptions might be as a result of that. Like, Mm -hmm. I find that really interesting how like, depending on who's looking at her, they perceive her differently based on their own skin tone and background and race. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that pervades throughout the book and it starts very early when she's a kid being like, that's me in the photo, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very like subtle biracial, uh, representation throughout, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah. It's a hard line to tout. I think, um, so I've read a few novels that, that talk about that experience. And I think the best ones actually come from like mid-century black women authors talking about that experience. Um, because they don't really like she doesn't really try to come to any conclusions about it she doesn't really she's just talking about the experience like she's not white enough yeah. for the white people and she's not black enough for the black people yeah um i that's a really good yeah. point like she's just i like that a lot she's just talking about the experience she's not trying mm-hmm. to define it or like yeah conclude yeah. it with some like thesis statement or something yeah 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 which is actually way more relatable to like people mm-hmm. to just, mm-hmm. you know, be like noticing these things over time yeah. and actually to be able to like sum it up. Cause it's like such a big part of someone's identity. There isn't really one way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Such a big part. And also at the same time, like not, I don't know, like a big part, but not a big part, depending on how you're thinking yeah. about it. So, yeah. Well, and it brings me back again to the grandma like that moment when she kisses the boy and her grandma ruins her childhood. It's because she also realizes that she's a hot commodity, basically. 
if they want hair. kids, exactly because of her <laughs> hair, because of her lighter skin, because the black men, like the black boys at this point, the black boys that she's around are going to recognize that she has in some way or another, unfortunately, like slightly more power just mm-hmm. on like a street. Yeah. And so, I mean, okay. So for context, it's also, it's because her mom, Janie's mom was half white. And so she saw it basically, she literally saw it happen with her mom. Janie's grandmother saw it happen with, with her daughter. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she was just genuinely scared for that happening again. Yep. It all contributes to like the decision that the grandmother made to yeah. get her married so quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We never really, I mean, her mom doesn't live in the town. That's mm-hmm. about all we know. Yeah. She just kind of took off. Yeah. As far as Janie's concerned, it was just the grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Which I kind of like. I yeah. think that's real. I think that's pretty realistic for the time period. Mm-hmm. And interesting because like we talked about how her relationship with her grandmother is like tense um, to say the least, or like just kind of like she's removed from her from that point on. Mm-hmm. And then the mom isn't in the picture. So it really is like emphasizing Janie's independence and mm-hmm. like that contributes to her discovery of herself as a woman even more because like the two potential female figures in her life were estranged Yeah, more like, yeah by the time she's kind of going through all the stuff that we hear her tell throughout the book. Um, yeah. So I think it's like, you know, purposeful, definitely that that's the case and that, and that we don't really know much more about the mom. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, there's not very much influence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Female influence other than what we got from the grandmother at the beginning. And so then it is just Janie on her own. Yeah. So there is kind of a nice, um, independence there. It's amazing that without that influence, she is still so good at saying no to Mm -hmm. men who you would Mm -hmm. think like, I was kind of trying to figure out throughout the whole thing, like, where does this come from? Is that just who she is or where has she like developed this strength from within herself only? Because I feel like she has it (laughs) the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like maybe it's from that moment with the tree because she, as much as she tried to say no to her grandma, she had to do it anyway. And so it's almost like that is like the childhood, like trauma moment that she's constantly reliving. And so every time she says no and it works, it's somehow like chipping away at that. Every time she like somebody hears her and they listen, you know? Yeah it heals that moment a little bit further. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. There is a quote I have to bring up about tea tea cake. And I feel like this, this goes hand in hand with our love for romance and the, 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 the the daddy. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I Buckle love up. how, yeah, <laughs> strap in. Um, she just, she, I think it was when she first met tea cake. 
and she says he looked like the love thoughts of women yes and that just like says a lot (laughs) that just says so much yeah I love I just love that um like what are like just like the the language the the language that Hurston brings forth to describe something so simple Mm -hmm. um adds so much color um like you think about like like love thoughts that could be anything yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know that it's like I definitely felt there was like oh you know this is more than just you know a very this isn't not I, I think I heard it described as like this is not a picture of white love this is a picture of black love and what that looks like and I just really appreciated that you know I just like that they're finding love like in the struggle of being black in the south during mm-hmm. the early 1900s yeah which was really beautiful yeah she said the love thoughts thing i immediately pictured drake i was like that's who he <laughs> yeah. that's tea cake to me in my head yeah. <laughs> even though i don't yeah. think i think drake might be too light i don't remember how tea cake was described but that's just what described. that's just where my brain goes when someone says the love thoughts of women. <laughs> I thought of the dad from Princess and the Frog, Tiana's dad. Ooh, that's mm. a great choice. Yeah, like he's like tall. He's got the the like button handsome. up. He's got like the they're all the sleeves are rolled up. He's got the work shirt. Yeah, yeah. Rugged. Was, in terms handsome. of like cartoon dads, he's he's up there. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> we could do a whole. Don't get me started on hot cartoon characters. I I am right there with you. It's a problem. (laughs) Max goof in a goofy movie was like an awakening for me. Oh my gosh. Aladdin. Aladdin was my first crush ever for sure like when i was like mm. two i was like a lot what's up with this vested guy like yeah. that's something yeah. where's nipples i don't care <laughs> <Yeah>. like yeah <laughs> i'm interested and yeah. then max goof like i don't know he was nerdy and gross anyway this is such a tangent but um, i love my, i love a cartoon <laughs> my first crush was christopher robin yes <laughs> Yeah, um, my first like Disney prince though was my first Disney prince crush was Eric, Prince Eric, and since then, dark hair and light light eyes will still send me over the edge. Absolutely, oh, Aladdin yeah. is like it. That is my type. To, yeah, in real yeah. life, to this yeah. day, it's like a dark feature, like Arabian man. Like <laughs> that's it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and yeah, he's just like so like suave and like yes. he's got oh yeah you know like he's just like very like speaking of bad boys who are not bad for you like Aladdin right there yeah oh, true the street rat who tricks her but then he mm-hmm. still falls for her and saves the day okay I mean that's how <laughs> they that's how they set you up for failure in this yes. world by yes. having you think that the bad boy can change for you yep yep. <laughs> I don't really have any cartoon, cartoon ones, but that's okay. I mind get bad. I even, um, <laughs> uh, oh God, what was the, the, from Lion King 2, the like nephew. Stop. Kovu? Lion. Kovu. Stop. Kovu. 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 Yeah. Kovu was oh, yeah, bad. He, yeah. He was sexy. 
Yeah. He was like a dirty boy. He was. He really was. I mean, Simba, like teenage Simba. Yes. Like still, yes. The, the Simba mm-hmm. that's when that's like you see him growing up in the there's like a little montage in the song Timon and Pumbaa song or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And there's like a specific scene where he's like getting bigger as they walk by the pond or something. That was something for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then can you feel the love tonight when they tackle each other and yeah. like oh, they tumble in the eyes? Like we all know the lie, those eyes. Yeah. It's we've all given eyes. Yes. <laughs> well, we've tried to. It. Yeah. No, we can't do it the same way she did, but <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Reboot just a second. Tea cake. Okay. Okay. Back okay. to the book. <laughs> Cause I will go on too long about that. No, that's yeah. It's good. It's Same. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. Any final thoughts? Um, sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I feel like we really covered you, a lot. Oh yeah. We did cover a lot, but did you have any thoughts? Did you guys have any thoughts on um, like the, the title scene, the scene where she says the title of the book? Yeah. During the hurricane. Yeah. I feel like and i think generally this is the consensus on the moment like in academic circles <laughs> um glasses yeah pushes up glasses <laughs> is just that that moment really captures her acknowledging that she will always have a lack of control in her life mm-hmm. so it's like the moment is when they're kind of they're in the house and they're the the hurricane is hitting it's a lot worse than they thought. And it's just kind of in the middle of, of the line is they were waiting on the hurricane or something like that. And their eyes were watching God. And I think that moment is really pivotal for her learning that she needs to stop like waiting for somebody else to change her life or waiting for her life to suddenly like turn up end. And she has the more that she's been seeking, but that she has to take it for herself and that's what they do like they leave the house they they try to find somewhere safer mm-hmm. i like that yeah i do feel like it's kind of a moment of surrender to like fate mm-hmm. or god or you know for her that's god and there's like a religious element but mm-hmm. um kind of like the recognition that no matter how much moving and shaking I do in my life, like there's still this outside force that is ultimately that I'm ultimately like at the mercy of mm-hmm. in a way, um, in a, in a good way, like that could yeah. sound dark, but I think it's meant in a way of like releasing pressure and releasing mm-hmm. the need for control. Like you said, Melissa, and like, mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what I took from it. Yeah. Yeah. Even especially. Go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was going to say, even the moment when um, they're in the storm and uh, the, with the dog and the cow cow. Yeah. um, Yeah. That, that scene was very symbolic of like, um, like the hurricane and what it was doing to their lives. Um, and 
almost uh, tea cake. It was going to be the dog or tea cake, essentially, Mm -hmm. that was going to win. And of course, the dog was averted, but overall, the dog did win. So the dog Mm -hmm. kind of represented the hurricane, the the rabid dog um, of the force of nature. Yes, the force of nature that uh, eventually will like take what you love. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think just the realization that it'll take period with like no regard. Again, not to sound like negative at all, but like good or bad, it doesn't care, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like what you just said, Bethany, about like it'll take what you love too, because so much of the book is her chasing that, like mm-hmm. trying, like trying and trying and trying over and over again to find this love that she's been wanting and she finds it. But like, even when you have it, it's not always yours to keep. Yes. I think is kind of the, the takeaway Mm -hmm. it's yours while you have it, but that's just while you have it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, because it's also moving. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's that, there's that movement and it's not static. It's not, I have it and I will always have it. It's this sense of, I have it now. And, mm-hmm. um, even if it took me this long to get to it, because then it makes the ending then not seem so sad because she's, exactly. she revels in the fact that she did have it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think because I think the reason she's able to do that is because she's been through so many chapters and all that change and like had things that were bad that she let go of, had things that were good that she let go of, but like Mm -hmm. that kept happening as is with life. But like she had experienced having to let go and move on and create like a new life before. So she was kind of able to accept that she would have to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think that helped her to be able to like come to terms with losing him and the way that all that went down because she's like, like you said, like I had it, but not forever. And like nothing that I've really had is, has been forever. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. The only thing that's been forever is me is like her and kind of like the life that she creates for herself and the relationship she has with herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially the way that the, like the final image of the book is her alone in her bedroom in her old house and yeah so Hurston uses a lot of like positive and negative metaphors throughout the whole thing you've got the moment when Jody slaps her or the moment when she discovers like her body again those two kind of like varying these very opposite ends of the spectrum and she does it Hurston does a really good job of without having to use very negative images, still conveying how positive or negative the moment is. And the very final moment doesn't feel negative. It doesn't feel sad or depressing. She's alone, but it still feels very comforting. Like you still get that, that sense of movement is still happening for her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, she had this great thing and now it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's over. It's like, because she still continues to go on and she's still right. moving. She's still moving, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I like that. I like that idea, Jess, of like movement. I feel like yeah. that was like a huge part of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I loved uh, that was one of my biggest like feelings. And I like, Melissa, you keep using the word comforting. And I like that too. Like it mm-hmm. is, there's a comfort in the movement. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is something really hard to accept. Like, in life, that's hard to accept, but once you do accept it, it is comforting. Like once you mm-hmm. realize that things are going to keep moving while there's a lot of unknown associated with that, it's also like freeing and comforting in a way yeah. because you're like, well, this is just how it goes. And I still got me and like, mm-hmm. I've done it before and I'm going to do it again. And that's like a comfort, even though it's um, kind of like this never ending unknown. Yeah. So yeah, I really like that word for it too. Okay. Are we good? Do we have any any final final thoughts? Any final final thoughts? I wish I could find this quote. I wish I could find this quote because do you remember like when in the book it was maybe like at what like what maybe it was like a scene or. No, I'm pretty sure she was saying it to her friend that she's telling the story too. like it's a moment where she kind of comes out of the story and she says it to her friend um i will find i'm just so mad i like had it i thought i had it written down but i don't and i'm like did i hallucinate it it just (laughs) it just was perfect um um kind of to preface the movement and kind of literally what we were just talking about Um, this part says, of course she wasn't dead. Um, sorry. Of course he wasn't dead. He could never be dead until she herself had finished feeling and thinking. Um, which I think like, there's always this, yeah, there's just like always this feeling of this continuing on Mm -hmm. that I like. I like that a lot. Well, also that quote really emphasizes the fact that ultimately it's about her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he doesn't die as long as she's still processing him um, mm-hmm. and his, he lives on in her. And I think we also kind of said that about the grandmother too, um, that like in her absence, she is very important and present in mm-hmm. the novel. And like, because ultimately like she and her decisions and her past like shaped Janie and so it's kind of the same with all of these characters that come and go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was beautiful, beautiful book. I think I yeah. cried. I can't remember when, but it definitely <laughs> happened. And I will say, if you did listen to it, the woman who reads it is just so good. Really so great. good. Yes. Yes. Which I think is a huge part of that. Like, listening to it is a completely different experience listening to mm-hmm. to the characters talk and speak has so many more connotations than try than reading it you know and so i just really loved like that kind of immersive experience it was nice it feels like a book that was meant to be listened to mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah. because it's so much dialogue it's so mm-hmm. it's like yeah. her telling a story yeah. and then that story is so much is very conversational mm-hmm so yeah, it worked really well for audiobook. Also, did you guys know that it was a movie? It was made into yeah. a movie. Yes. 
Who Halle Berry, Berry. Right? Halle Berry. Yeah. 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 And, and like uh, Oprah commissioned for yeah. the movie to be made or something. It was one of the Oprah movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have so to watch it now. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I found the quote, but I, I think I like extrapolated it. <laughs> it's okay. A little. That's like, fair. That's fair. It's still a good quote, but I, I think I just like took something from it that who knows if I was supposed to take from it or not, but it says, um, there's two things everybody's got to do for themselves. They got to go to God and they got to go, they got to find out about living for themselves. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that ties in nicely with the title of the book. And also like, I just liked the way that she says they have to go to God and they have to mm-hmm. go to the things that will teach them about how to live for themselves. Like, mm. I don't know, something about that stuck with me, but it's very active um, language. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think I found that in a lot of the book and it added to this like theme and feeling of movement and like fluidity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, her like, and like, she's never stagnant. Yes. Her like biggest crime, quote unquote crime being a woman is her active role in her own life. Because when she makes the decision to like leave her first husband, that is like a villain origin story kind of, kind of situation. She, there's no remorse either. We don't hear about him later. She's just like, so I left him. I (laughs) I went with Jody. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, she's very, with the moment she decides to talk back to Jody and granted she does get hit, but she gets, it's, it's this strangely patriarchal moment in the book. Because as I guess, as women reading this, we all want to have that moment where we can like speak up to the person. But if the story were told the other way, let's say the story were from Jody's point of view, he would be the hero in that moment, like stand mm-hmm. defending himself, you know? Yeah. And that's really frustrating to think about. But she, she was taking this active role in her life and basically telling him like, stop, you're the old one. You're the one whose body is falling apart. Why are we only talking about mine? Right. Yeah, I love I love her her big headedness basically. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. very she's very decisive. Yeah. Like she's like I don't know, once she decides to stand up for herself or to be out of a situation or whatever like she is. Mm-hmm. Um for for the amount of like physical like lack of agency over her body that at least she starts out with like she has a lot of agency over her decision making Mm -hmm. and like really takes control of where she's headed I don't know I find I think she's very decisive and and like once she decides she's out she's out and I think that's a great message for women Mm -hmm. and I think it ties into with like we were talking about her kind of hearing her gut throughout all of this and like going where that takes her like there's an intuition that women like should tap into more and Mm -hmm. I feel like this book is a really good like she's a really good model of that even in a time and a setting and these situations where like you know like I don't think she was thinking about it that way like now Mm -hmm. we have the language for this stuff but that is a lot of the times what she was doing yeah yeah she she commits to it 
And um, yeah, it really felt kind of tying into like what we were talking about at the beginning of this being like a very relatable um, because of the way it's written inside of her consciousness. I really feel like that intuition is such a big, strong part of the narrative um, and what she chooses to see and how she chooses to see it and what she decides to do with it is like confirmation of that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like being in touch with her internal Mm -hmm. monologue. Yeah. Which is basically what she's sharing with us Mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good read. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Really good. I really enjoyed this one a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad. I feel like it was an important one. Yeah. 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 It's always stressful, like recommending books. So like I had read this one sometimes if we were on the podcast and we're like, well, you know, this one looks good. A lot of people are talking about this one. That's not like a recommendation. Like this is when I was like, oh, I love this book. And then the week rolled around and I was like, okay, I put like a lot of weight on that. I don't remember the book quite that much. I just remember how it made me feel. And now I'm real worried. It's not going to be good suddenly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was good. It, 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 you were right the first time how you felt. So Yep. People don't remember what you say or do. They remember how you make them feel. Yes. Yep. It's the same with a book. So yes. Yeah. You nailed it. I'm, I was really happy to participate in this and thanks so much for including me and for for getting me to read a book. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Yes. Taking another one. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome to come back anytime. If you want to read a book. Thank you. It honestly does the accountability partners help, you know, it does. Um, Cause now that I've read it, I'm like so happy that I've read it, Yeah. but just to focus on it and finish it. And, and I don't know, it's, it's helpful. It's like a little book club. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll start reading some of the books that you're doing on future episodes too. Yeah. So that I can follow along that way. We, We'll hopefully have our season four schedule, or at least some of the books we're doing for season four out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Season three is almost over. (laughs) I know. It's so crazy. It went by so fast. It did. It did. Um, That being said, though, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you. you, Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. It was. We'll do more. We'll do more cross collabs, but thanks for having me. Thanks for being on Peking. This was really fun. Yeah. It just felt cool. Felt cool to get to do a different podcast. I've never done that before. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, so join us next week. What are we reading next week, Bethany? The War of Two Queens. <laughs> Which I'm very excited for. It is number four in the Blood and Ash series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. We I mean, it came out almost a month ago. I think over a month ago now. And so yeah. it's just kind of been like sitting sitting in our Kindle. If I read it too soon, then I'm going to forget stuff. Uh, you know, no, the best is when we get, when we hop on the episode and we just finished it that day and we're like, yes, ah! <laughs> we're yeah, yeah we're excited just like about chickens it. with our heads cut off. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a long time coming because I feel like our podcast is built off of from what it, <laughs> it, it is. It was the first series we covered. It's like the most listened to. Um, episodes and so this mm-hmm. is the newest edition the fourth and so we're excited to continue 
until then you can binge you can binge (laughs) the episode yes my body is ready yeah binge the um i think it's episode two of the podcast where we talk about first one and four two three and four the second one and the third one in preparation for the war of two queens yeah So, so join us next week yeah you're supposed oh, to say happy chair? reading. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye. Bye. You can say bye, Jess. Happy reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bye. <laughs>